The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. If you would like to become a qualified health coach, then the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, or IIN for short, can help you achieve your goals. I completed their health coaching course many years ago, which has been one of the catalysts for my own journey into what I now love to do, which is to help people achieve greater health through the sharing of information through my books, seminars, podcasts, TV shows and films. I recommend IIN for anyone wishing to pursue a career in the health coaching and wellness space. IIN is a one-year course, so that if you're a full-time worker, busy parent, or wherever you are in your life, it is flexible enough so you'll be able to complete all the required curriculum. Please see the link included in the podcast show notes or my website to access the free sample class and first module of their program. This will give you a great taste of the format as well as the structure, and you can also utilize my special discount that I can offer you if you decide to sign up. Make sure you tell the admissions team that you're part of the Pete Evans Tuition Savings to claim your very substantial discount. Please visit integrativenutrition.com or email admissions at integrativenutrition.com. Steve Rio is a philosopher, innovator, coach and psychedelic doula based in British Columbia, Canada. Steve is co-founder and founder of multiple ventures including Nature of Work, a performance and wellness optimization program for modern work, Now with Steve Rio, a podcast that explores what it means to live a good life, and Hamkala Inner Wellness, offering retreats and experience based on psychedelics, breathwork, meditation, and somatic modalities. Steve's greatest hope is that all humans can realize their full potential in order to expand global consciousness and transform the world. To find out more about Steve Rio, please visit natureofwork.co. That's N-A-T-U-R-E-O-F-W-O-R-K dot C-O. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, man. This is going to be such a great interview because I think I'm going to be schooled. <laughs> I think I need to be schooled about the digital world and our, and our connection to it. So uh, I, I'm just handing over the mic to you and download, brother, be the channel. First off, have you seen a, a documentary called The Social Dilemma? 
I haven't actually. I, I've taken a step away from Netflix over the last couple or last week in in protest, so to speak, about some of the things that they've they're uh, promoting at the moment. But um, I do have to check it out. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like that documentary for me is a bit of a breath of fresh air because it's what I've been sort of yelling from rooftops for the last four or five years. And I think what I've been recognizing is is what people are starting to wake up to is that you know most of the internet these days is built around the attention economy, which is based around mining our time and attention. So for the first time in human history, we're not mining coal mines, we're not mining gold, we're not mining forests, something like that. We're mining our own time and attention. And that economy is a very good business right now, man. Like it's the making the richest billionaires of all time. And it's at the expense, I think, of individuals' well-being, their mental, emotional, psychological, you know, spiritual well-being, but also we're seeing its impact on society and on on sense making, on understanding what is right or true. It's creating incredible tribalism out there on the internet, and you're watching democracies starting to kind of tremble and starting to fall apart, largely because of that. I mean, there's other things going on, but it's just pretty wild what's happening. And the reason that's all happening is that where we are going for our information, where we are going to connect with one another is social media, is a lot of the news platforms is where we're trying to get information from. But they're all in a race to win our time and attention. And the way that they do that is, I mean, that the, the easiest way to do that is to trigger our amygdala, is to trigger our fear or our anger response. And so Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and name any of the social platforms, they've built the most sophisticated algorithms of all time. They have the most sophisticated computers in the world gaming us, right? They're gaming our emotions to try and keep us engaged on their platforms, which means that a nice modest or a middle ground post that, you know, a middle ground article that helps really shed light on an, on a topic in a well-balanced way that maybe says, yeah, some people think this and some people think that, but those are both okay. Doesn't get clicks, right? What gets clicks is this guy's an asshole. This thing is wrong. This is crazy. You're crazy. You know, five reasons to be mad right now. And we're seeing, I think we're seeing the outcomes in society right now where people are more and more pushed into corners the other thing that happens is basically once you go down one certain rabbit hole of some, some type of information, you basically get fed more of that content. So if I go on YouTube and I click on one Jordan Peterson article or interview, which there's lots of great interviews with Jordan Peterson, suddenly I'm being shown some like pretty wacky right-wing stuff like or some more extremist stuff. And, and you click on that and suddenly you're like way down a, a rabbit hole of content. And once you're in those sort of zones, you, you start to believe that the whole internet believes this thing or is saying this thing because that's all you're being shown by these platforms, right? And so that's happening on social media. And, and that's, that's one situation we could talk about. But then what, what's also happening in the news media is they've got a 24-hour news cycle. They're competing with all of this crazy algorithm. And so the news headlines are getting, I think, dumber and dumber and more extreme. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're just getting more toxic, frankly. And you also see a lot more ideology in the news because, again, what is the easiest way to capture attention and to keep people's 
engaged is to engage their fear, their anger, their tribalism, all of these kind of these things. And I, I think it's like downgrading society. It's downgrading conversation. It's downgrading intelligent dialogue about what's happening in the world and how to think about the world and how to make sense of the world, which is leading to like, I mean, you look at what's happening in the States right now. There's protests in the streets, there's violence, there's, you know, an election that's about to happen down there that is either way it goes, it's going to be ugly. I think the outcomes because people can't identify with one another in any way because they've been pushed so far into a corner. You're either a thousand percent black lives matter and, and all police needs to be shut down and, or you're on the other side of that. It's, it's, it's Antifa and they're, and they're insane and they just want to burn down the city and they don't, they don't care about history and you kind of get pretty extreme pretty fast. Right. Seems a little bit of human history though. I was just, I was imagining, you know, the burning of the witches and this versus that, these, these, these tribal fights or these religious fights or these human, human beliefs that have been around for a long time, a long time. And it feels like at the moment that it's just a, it's a different kind, but it's, and I got off a podcast today with a, with a fellow and, and I have to, I'm not religious at all. Uh, the fellow I, I had on the podcast uh, was it about Christian. And, and it's interesting because there seems to be a common denominator at the moment that it is potentially a spiritual war that's happening at the moment. It's, it's not a human war, so to speak. It's a spiritual war people are talking about. And even that is hard for a lot of people to grasp. But maybe I would use the terminology just like a war of consciousness and a war for consciousness. But even using those words, war, it feels so foreign for me to be able to even think that there's such a thing as a, as, as a war for consciousness, that there's a battle. Well, it's interesting what you just said is, I think, super accurate. And there's a lot of people equating some of the new woke left stuff and some of the more, you know, the more extreme on really a lot of these issues as new forms of religion. And when you look at the the sort of characteristics of some of these belief systems or this sort of tribalism, a lot of it, in, you know, if you look at some of the, I, let's just go with the wokeism side for a sec. If you look at some of that stuff, it, it sort of portrayed social media and in popular culture that if you disagree with any of it, then you're just a bad person or you, you know, you're completely shunned in some way. And you can't really ask too many particular questions about it. And there's not necessarily good answers behind it, but you just should believe it because that's the obvious way, which sounds a lot like religion to me. And so, so I think that's right. And, and I think you're also right that as a society, as a global society, we have been doing our best to, I think, elevate consciousness and to try and rise out of tribalism, right? And it's interesting that this global phenomenon of the internet and the way that it's been kind of co-opted by social media and things like that are taking us back to this new form of tribalism. And it's not so much a location-based tribalism, it's an ideology or a religious-based tribalism. And it, and it doesn't need to be a religion of, of some gods. It, it can be a religion of food. It can be a religion of race. It can be all these different like ideologies about what's guns, uh, whatever, you know? So you're right. It, it's a reversion of consciousness right at a time, I think, when consciousness needs to elevate as the world becomes more connected, as we 
start to realize how truly interconnected we are, right? And instead of, instead of working into that, that complex interconnected web, we're fracturing. It's like an elastic band smacking back at us right now saying, actually, no, let's go back into our corners and hate one another right in a moment where we have to accept that if we hate each other, we're all going down, right? So, I mean, I spend a ton of time on Nature of Work, which is the company I've just launched to, to help people build better habits to, to win back their time and attention. But I'm also doing a ton of work in the psychedelic space because to me, those are kind of the key things in terms of helping individuals recognize, I think, a bigger picture. Yeah, it's so interesting because last year I spent, or the last couple of years I've been working with different plant medicines and studying them and making content about them and putting myself as a, I guess, an ex- experiential journalist, so to speak, or content creator by going through the process myself to actually understand and, and embody what that is, you know, instead of being an outsider commenting on, on a psychedelic experience, I don't it would never hold any weight or water. That's why uh, experts that have never journeyed or sat in ceremony, you potentially should never take their beliefs about it as, as truth because you and I know that truth is found through some of these journeys. And over the last two years, I was so excited. I was like, this is spreading. The re-emergence of the third wave of the psychedelic renaissance as some people call it this is this is happening it's happening globally these these medicines are coming out of the jungle people uh you've got people like michael pollan writing books about smoking toad medicine and you've got other people now the new york times all of these sort of places opening up to the possibility that there is another way forward for human consciousness And as soon as this COVID pandemic started and has continued to stay, my perception is it's it's nearly as again, it's a war on consciousness. It was nearly like we need to stop this human expansion of consciousness because it was growing. That's my belief and my viewpoint. It was growing at at a at an exponential rate. And then it's like, boom, all that (laughs) time out. Talk to me about that and, and your work in psychedelics and how you can, and, and I do want to just finish with, it's so interesting because this year since COVID, I haven't had any intuition to partake in any ceremonial work in, the, in that realm. My intuition has been you need to stay grounded and don't, don't venture into any other realms at the moment and just, just be really, really present right here in this, this reality. So I'll hand that over to you, mate. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really interesting what you just said about, because in some ways, I think what's happened in 2020 with COVID has both been like a reversal or a stagnation or a pullback of, of consciousness or progress. And in other ways, to me, it's blown a number of things forward in a way that could never have happened without this level of interruption, right? And I think there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of old systems that are going to need to change in the next, I don't know, five years, 10 years, one year, whatever it is. But that COVID is exposed as, you know, just not functioning properly anymore for the complexity of our world, right? And when I look at what's happened, in some ways, there was some 
great groundwork in certain ways in terms of trying to protect people. And then it, it also, you just saw this kind of mechanism of control kick in. Yeah, it's just an interesting time. But at the same time, I think so many people are on the ground taking this time to really start to question what is real, what, what should I listen to, what should I not? Also maybe realizing that, hey, what I thought was really clearly an important authority to listen to doesn't even make sense. And they don't actually know what they're talking about. In some cases they do, and who knows. But I feel like it's just like, to me right now, all the internet, all, all of this interconnectivity around the world is doing is accelerating us into the next realm of consciousness to your point, like the way you described it. It's almost like a new reality is unfolding from this one. And for that to happen, this reality needs to rip apart, fall to the ground, and whatever our, the next version of us is going to emerge, the next version of our consciousness, whatever that is. And in some ways, I think COVID is the old world trying to lurch on the brakes. And in other ways, everything just being forced forward. Suddenly people can't go into the office anymore. So this whole idea of working nine to five in a stuffy environment and they're suddenly just working from home and realizing, hey, it's pretty great to spend more time with my kids and to get out on the bike more. Like you can't buy a bicycle anymore because bikes are sold out everywhere. And so there's a bunch of these interesting trends that are like, I think, really healthy for, for us. And at the same time, we have to really question like what, what is the authority systems and how do we actually find real information and how do we process that? So there's a lot of challenge and unknowns. To me, what, what's happened and, and COVID's only accelerated with the internet is it's it's exposed the fact that truth is about perception and that there's many different versions of the truth and we invent the truth for ourselves. And I think people used to feel pretty comfortable in the idea that, well, whatever's on the front page of the New York times, that's what's true. That's the facts. Those are, those journalists have gone out and dug up the facts for me so that I can have my coffee and go to work and not think about it anymore. And I think the internet has shown that people can experience the exact same event and have completely different truths about it. So I don't know. It's a very interesting time. So tell us about the work that you're doing, what you were you mentioning then, your, your new platform and your new um, way of communicating. So two things I'm working on. One is called Nature of Work. And Nature of Work is a program for people to help them build what I call a personal operating system. So a better system for going about your day based somewhat on Stoic philosophy, based on the idea that discipline equals freedom. Like, and, and in today's world, we have more and more autonomy over our time and our, and our attention is being constantly taken advantage of. So the most important thing we can do to be happy, healthy, successful is to have control over our time and attention. And so what our program is basically takes people through step-by-step, week over week, you learn some things through the online modules, then you implement these practices, you're tracking new practices each week. And so you're really implementing a system for yourself and figuring out a, like it's partly about work habits. So about how to structure your time and how to set priorities and how to, how to focus better, how to get out of this sort of cycle of bouncing from one thing to the next all day, which is unproductive and unhealthy. And there's tons of good research that shows that shows us this, but we spend a lot of time bouncing from email to document to, to Zoom chat, to Slack channel, to, and, and just going in a cycle all day. And what ends, ends up happening is, A, our body, the stress hormones in our body are highly elevated because of that. Our brain thinks it's under attack, basically, 
So we're going into fight or flight a lot of the times. We're less creative, less productive. We're actually getting a lot less done. Our, the quality of our time is going down. So the quantity of our work time is going up. So a lot of people are spending 10, 12 plus hours at work and ending a work day and feeling like, I don't really know what I got done today. And that's not great from a productivity standpoint, but it's also not great from an emotional standpoint and from an exhaustion and a burnout standpoint. So, so it looks a lot at work habits, but it also looks at, you know, outside of your work, what are your technology habits? What are your, what are your mindfulness and meditation habits? How do you sleep? How do you set up for that? How do you set up your morning routine? Because I, what we know, and you're a nutrition guy, like you could be on a diet from nine to five, but if you eat ice cream in the morning and at night, then like, what's the point, right? <laughs> I've, I've never heard and that one, but I like that one. <laughs> but I just, I think about it like that in terms of our time and attention habits, like how we interact with our technology. If we wake up and first thing we do is pick up our phone and scan through a thousand messages on Instagram or news articles or whatever, and then we sit down at our computer and try and be focused and work on a single piece of work for an hour, that doesn't compute. The brain, it's not easy for the brain to switch gears like that. So it's really about building a holistic system for yourself. And it's really, I think, ideally designed for entrepreneurs and people who have autonomy in their work. So it's funny because before COVID, the niche we, we were going for was entrepreneurs and people who work from home. That was our little tiny box that we were going to try and focus on. Suddenly, that's changed pretty dramatically. So that's one thing I'm, I'm focused on. And yeah, again, that's called Nature of Work. And you can find more at natureofwork.co on that. Uh, I just want to say I love that name. Thanks, man. Now. Now. Yeah, and the, the acronym is NOW. We, we refer to it as NOW. And as soon as you're in the program, everybody just calls it NOW, which is cool. That's, that's all we have. That's, that's all we have. So what's interesting is that this program is, is quite practical, but it's rooted in my experience with meditation and with psychedelics and with mindfulness with, you know, I've done 10 day silence retreats and things like that. And when you, you start to really realize how important the present moment is, and you really realize that that's all we have. And then you look at how most people go through their day. It felt so imperative to me to help people get back to the present moment, to get grounded, to get present. And so I don't get into a lot of the sort of spiritual side of that conversation in the program, but that's, it's, it's about getting into the present moment. My family and I have been using beautiful, high-quality essential oils for the last 20 years to live healthily every single day. Now, if you're passionate about health and are ready to step into leadership, I want to invite you to partner with my team and I to build a beautifully successful doTERRA business. Register at PeteHLC.com backslash Pete. That's PeteHLC, which stands for the Healthy Living Collective, dot com backslash Pete. It's so interesting. I'll get into your second part of your work in a minute, but you asked me before, or we were having a conversation before we recorded about how many podcasts I've been doing lately. And it's, I find it really interesting because I find this to be a really good way for me to be in the present moment. This is a really, for me, it's a really good tool for me because I, I can do meditation and I've, I've studied it for 30 years and I've implemented it here, there and everywhere but being in a podcast for me like this where I sit opposite from somebody like yourself today I am completely in the present moment because I'm, I'm listening to every word that you're saying and at the same time 
resonating with that inside of me and it brings up emotions or ideas or feelings or emotions as I said but it's it's difficult to describe to people because they might think oh you're just addicted to technology I'm like yeah I'm actually using it as a tool here for myself and I have to say I'm guilty of using my social media too much and getting caught in that world but this here for me is it's it's such a I've learned to really respect this relationship right here with technology and with somebody else from wherever you are because it grounds me in such a way and I love that. No, I, I think that's beautiful. I, I have a podcast too and I agree like the one-to-one conversation when, and you just have to be fully focused in, into that conversation and like you say, it's an intuitive process. Like yourself, I don't, do a t- I don't prep a ton of questions. It's more, it's a natural, intuitive exploration. And that's a really beautiful process. So I think it, it, you bring up a good point that I failed to mention that I think is really important is that a lot of people, I guess, get the impression that I think all technology is bad or that we need to throw our phones in the ocean and walk into the woods, you know, barefoot, something like that. And the truth is like, I mean, I've been a technologist my entire life. My dad was a technologist. He's like one of the early IBM pioneers. So like, I have a huge technology background. I build tech, my last company was building technology platforms. So I, I think there's real utility and real value. And, and the fact that you and I can sit here on other sides of the world and have this conversation is a very beautiful thing. So, so I think the, the main piece for me is, is understanding that technology is a tool and it can be really valuable and to make sure that you are being mindful and intentional about how you're engaging with it. So to your point, having one-to-one engagement, that's super high value. We learn a lot. We, we get social value out of it, all these kind of things. If you're walking around your entire day and all you're doing all day is listening to podcasts while you do everything else and you don't ever take a half hour break to just reflect on what's going on for you inside, that could be a problem, right? So it's kind of like finding that balance. So talk to me about, um, still going back to now, nature of work and how did you bring in your psychedelic experience into that platform and program? So I, I was already had a pretty solid meditation practice and was spending a lot of time thinking about, I think, you know, through listening to various mystics and reading all sorts of random stuff, I started just really, I think, obsessed about this idea of getting, getting into the present moment and, and thinking philosophically as well as practically about the reality of now being the only moment that ever exists, you know, and I think a lot of people never have likely never even thought about that, but just this idea that there, anything in the past is, is a memory. It's an illusion, you know, and anything in the future, it's a fantasy. It's, it also doesn't exist. So this moment is our entire life. And um, so I was already thinking a lot about that and starting to develop these ideas around, and then just doing a ton of research into the neuroscience of focus and attention behavioral psychology and habit change and all of these things, physiology, like our energy systems, our circadian rhythm, our ultradian rhythm, all of these things, factoring that into a work program. But I think the psychedelic experience is just, it's like you can think philosophically about the moment of now, but when you inhale 5-MeO-DMT or, or toad medicine or various names for it, you are shown now in a visceral way that you can't, there's no language for it, which is to your earlier point, 
anybody who's talking about psychedelics who hasn't done them probably shouldn't do a lot of listening because there's not a lot of words to describe the depth of experience there. So I think it was mostly just even more solidifying in understanding that this entire life is actually an illusion. There's just one moment. We should just be experiencing it with as much openness and presence as possible. I agree. <laughs> I have taken that uh, the inhalation. Mm -hmm. It's a challenging reality to face, mm -hmm. but it's the most beautiful one as well. Yes, it is. And now, so the other side of my work is reach, re retreats and research focused around 5-MeO-DMT. In Canada, it's not scheduled. So it's kind of sitting in this gray zone. And so working with people and helping them through that journey experience, basically developing a really uh, robust process to help people through that transformation, that transition, that moment. Like you say, it's a very challenging experience. And so we've been focused developing a way to carry people through that experience that includes meditation, some somatic work, some coaching before and after, really looking at the entire experience and how to help people get the most out of it. How to, because I think the experience itself is so powerful, but it, it's like a dream sequence. And if you're not prepared for the, the dream, there's only so much you're going to witness. And afterwards it drifts away really quickly. If you don't have practices and some grounding to carry it into your life and to implement the teachings or the wisdom or the ideas or the, the feeling into your life going forward. And somatic means breath work, correct? Uh, somatic means body work. So integrating the body. So we actually do, we do, we do breath work. There's like, you know, massage or other sort of embodiment practices like moving meditations, cold and hot exposure, basically ways of really getting into the body. And part of our, part of the process of, of the journey experience for us is basically working um, with light touch and massage through the journey to help people remain in their bodies. Because what's interesting is I think when you have an experience that intense, you dissolve your ego. Oftentimes, as you're re, kind of regaining your ego or you're, th you're coming back into 3D, if you will, the ego immediately tries to take hold of things again and make sense of it and label the experience and you kind of process in a very intellectual way. And I think for us, what we're really focused on is helping people continue to remain in their body as they're re-emerging, to recognize the ability to interact with all of this information that's in the cellular memory of our bodies, to heal, to release trauma, to excess gifts and pain and all these things that are stored in our body. So really trying to create as deep of a mind-body connection as possible through that experience. What are the types of people that come through this process with you? Do they have a, a, a common thread that runs through them? I think we see people from all walks of life, but I think the common thread is the seeker, this, the knowing that there's something more than what currently your current perception of reality is. And so sometimes for people that's coming from a place of trauma or real blockage in their life, emotional blockage in their life. So trauma, pain, PTSD, more severe, like depression, things like that, like real more, more severe things that they're trying to heal. Other times it's people who may be highly successful, but you know, like all humans have, have things that they would like to break through in terms of self-doubt or self-confidence or anything like that. 
And then there's the odd person. It's honestly not that many, but who are just coming to explore and experience. You know, there's obviously, there's always some people like that. And I think it's fun for those type of people because usually they get walloped a bit in a way that they weren't expecting because they think, oh, I'm just here to have a good time. <laughs> and actually we... <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> Sign me up to experience myself as God. <laughs> well, that's right. And actually part of our process is I coach people leading up to the experience and make sure that I spend a good amount of time putting the fear of God, if you will, into them. You know, <laughs> I actually don't usually use that expression, but do you, what you just said is pretty funny. So, you know, like helping people truly understand what they're stepping into and making sure that they are ready for it. The two types of people that we're really concerned, like that we try and screen out are A, people who, you know, may have some serious psychological issues that we are not qualified to, to, to work with or that we don't feel equipped to. And in that case, we sometimes make custom we make a custom arrangement with a, with a psychologist or somebody to come in and work with us or a counselor. But the other type of people are the people that say, oh, I'm fine. Everything's great in my world. I, got, I don't have any issues. And those are the type of people I worry about the most because I feel like that, then they're in for a rude awakening because we all have things that are deep down inside of us that we need to explore. And even if we don't have any trauma, having that experience with God, if we don't have a some type of inner practice that can be uh, pretty jarring. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.